You got the call. Welcome to the big leagues, kid. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the call-up presented by Triple Play Fantasy. Back with you guys for week 19. We are very much close to the end of the season here, and it has been a blast. Uh, they're, of course, joined by my co-host, baby Huey, Michael Richards, in the house tonight. Mike, how you doing? Doing great, Mendy, as always. Love doing this show with you. Uh I've been so thankful for all of our great guests uh, we've had come on the show, and this week is no different. Uh, this is a, a young man I consider a friend and one of the people that helped me out when I first got started, so I'll always be grateful for him, and he's a great fantasy player and prospect mind, so we're happy to have him here. I should have you do the intro. I cover, <laughs> cover him pretty well, but for those that don't see the man on screen, if you're not watching on YouTube, the man's a husband and a father a senior MLB writer for fan tracks and featured writer for fantasy pros. And he's also a featured writer over for the SoxProspects.com, co-host of the fan tracks tool shed where many of you I'm sure know him from. He's an FSWA member and IBWAA member. His voice is going to just be beautiful for you guys listening to the podcast today. It is Chris Clegg. How's it going, man? Oh, I'm doing great. Always appreciate your good intros, Mindy. It's always a good time being with you guys. You know, I always enjoy chatting with both of you. So thank you for having me. And you know, prospects is kind of my thing that I love most. So I'm I'm glad to be on here talking about that. We were the other day talking about the Mount Rushmore of prospect minds, and you're very much in that conversation. The Mount, uh, you know, it could be the George Washington, the Abe Lincoln, <laughs> or whoever's on the. I forget who's on the Mount Rushmore. Yeah, I don't but, even know. Uh, <laughs> but we got to talk about Fantrax Toolshed for a second here. It's one of the most listened to prospect podcasts out there. You and Eric Cross both host that. First, I got to ask you guys, what is your favorite part about doing the show, your favorite interview you've done, and where can they find their Patreon, your guys' Patreon? Oh, man. Uh, what I love most about the show, and it's working with Eric's great. You know, it's kind of cool because before I ever started doing this, like I always looked up to Eric, like ask him Twitter questions, and then... <laughs> Like, it's kind of cool that I work and do a podcast with him. So, you know, Eric's a, you know, as genuine of a person as he seems on Twitter. Mm -hmm. You know, we've hung out in person and he's just a great down to earth dude. So fun to do that. The best interview we've done, and, you know, we've done some big time prospects, but the best interview I would say is Max Clark, who's still in high school. He's a, a high school uh, senior now, actually just started senior year, but he's likely to be the number one pick in next year's draft class. He was the most knowledgeable baseball mind I've ever spoken to. And we spoke to him last year as a, 16 year old junior so that interview is still probably my favorite just listening to him talk about the game uh, just unreal so you know that's that's probably my favorite interview that we've done and you know patreons at patreon.com slash fantrax toolshed we put out a lot of extra content over there you know from extra podcasts to extra rankings we do all kind of different things you can check that out at uh fantrax toolshed you know at patreon.com we got Clegg here, so you know I had to make him work early by listing all that for us here to get the start. <laughs> he's, he's warmed up now. He's ready oh, to yeah. go. 
And let's dig right in here to what we always lead off with, which is, of course, our minor league players of the week, both our hitters and pitchers that we saw doing big things. And kicking this list off with Yank, uh, Yank I'm going to say some of these names I've come across for the first time as we do this show. Yanquiel Fernandez, Colorado Rockies outfielder in their organization, been doing big things this week over his 44 plate appearances, a 359, 409, 769 slash line. 14 RBIs on the week, a 15.9% K percentage. Clegg, I got to ask you, the Rockies have a lot of great guys in this farm system here. Uh, what about him specifically stuck out to you this past week? Well, he's he's been really underrated, I think, most of the year. And, you know, the system's had a lot of big risers, like, you know, Ezekiel Tovar, you've got Zach Veen at the top. And so a lot of these guys kind of go underappreciated, I think, too. Also, from the standpoint of it is the Colorado Rockies. So naturally... <laughs> We've seen how they develop prospects and just absolutely fail to put them on the field. But I think in that sense, like we're also have see some prospects kind of going to the radar. And Fernandez signed in 2019, kind of quiet, but he's been really good this year, as you mentioned, the line. And you know, even the, really the last month and a half since July 1st, where he's really come on strong, a 298 average since that time, 352 OBP and a 570 slug. He makes really good contact, actually. Uh, you look and the strikeout rate has kind of dropped over time. He makes really good swing decisions, I think, and post good contact rates. And I think power is kind of coming around. You've seen 17 home runs this year. And there's probably more in the tank when you kind of look at his build. I still think there's plenty of room for him to add. He's already really physical, you know, good power swing. He's got really high end exit velocities for his age. I think is pretty impressive. And I just think there's more to come here. So Fernandez isn't really talked about quite often. And when I was looking at the, you know, the list of the top guys that have been, you know, kind of killing it over the last couple of weeks or so, a lot of the you know big name guys were up there. So I kind of want to highlight Fernandez, say that he's a bit underrated. You know, his defense is kind of meh. So where he ends up in the field, I'm not quite sure. But he's got a bat to be the the middle of the lineup type hitter. And, you know, who knows? The Rockies may finally get some, you know, competent development guys in the Oregon. You know, Fernandez could get developed and be a pretty solid corner outfielder, I think. Good left-handed swing, good power. So really like what I've seen from Fernandez this year. Now, Clay, they also have an outfielder in their uh, system, Jordan Beck, who's kind of another outfielder they list in a similar range with uh, Yankeel Fernandez. Do you like Fernandez over Beck, or are you kind of in the middle about that? Um, I'm still kind of – I want to wait and see approach on Beck, obviously um, just drafted, but – I did like him coming out of the draft, you know, really good profile here. And, you know, my inclination is to rank Jordan Beck higher, but again, I think it's kind of more wait and see with him, but I think there is more upside when looking at Jordan Beck overall. I mean, you know, kind of storied college hitter had a, a really good season this year at Tennessee and mm -hmm. he's performed at the Cape Cod league, which is the you know, wood bat league. So that kind of you know, translates a bit when you see them hit for power there. So I like Beck a lot. It's just kind of, I want to see what he can do. Like, and that's always the thing with these, you know, first year players that come out of the draft. We got to wait and see, you know, stuff doesn't always translate. And that's the thing. So Fernandez, at least performing right now, Beck just getting his feet wet, but I am excited about Jordan Beck. A bunch of great players again in that Rockies organization, as Clay has touched on talking about all these guys here. Let's go to this next player here. Jose Rodriguez in the Chicago White Sox organization, a middle infielder, over his last 10 days and over 300 average, he's got five home runs and two steals to boot. 
And on the season, a very healthy 275 average and 40 stolen bases, Mike. The White Sox, again, they need, it seems like they have these guys come through. It's kind of a hit or miss with some of the guys they've brought in over the last couple of years here. Are you excited about Jose Rodriguez? Yeah, uh, Jose Rodriguez came on my radar last year just because of his age versus level and the production I was seeing there. And the scouting grades look good as well. So basically, the reason he pops out to me this week is because of the five home runs. As you see, he has 10 on the season. So when when I did an article earlier this year, like he would have been someone I put in the like powers, the missing link. He's got a really good hit tool. You know, he's the, the low strikeout rate, the high stolen bases. So I'm expecting a player that's going to have a, a good average with a lot of stolen bases. And that's a great foundation for fantasy. I don't know if he'll ever get into like big time power, but I do think he's got enough in his bat to get to double digits. So if you're looking at down the road and he's always been young for his level too, he doesn't get talked about a lot. It's kind of hard to rank White Sox players because there's no like clear order to put him in. Like kind of what Chris was talking about, it's hard to where to slot in certain players and certain organizations. But when I just look at a 21 year old in double A with 40 stolen bases, 10 home runs, and a 14% strikeout rate. The White Sox are aggressive with their their players too, so I'd expect him to to debut next year at some point, assuming he can handle AAA. And this is just a player that doesn't cost a lot, I think. Might be a little bit underrated. So uh, just a nice guy to target right now in Dynasty. Lurking mistake. I have myself on mute. I said, Mike, you did exactly what you hate doing. And you predicted a timeline for a prospect and behind closed doors, Mike ranted to me this morning, how much he hates it because we did just last week talk about Brett Beatty and how both Mike and the Welsh both thought there was no chance he was going to get called up this season. But we saw the Mets after six games in AAA call him right up, hit a home run in his first game. But you never know what that's going to do to a prospect long-term when you don't give him the ample time to develop. So uh, I just think it's interesting just seeing the examples of different timelines, different players, and how different teams are bringing these guys along here. Uh, but again, that name is Jose Rodriguez in the Chicago White Sox organization. This next player, I don't know how much value he has long-term, but he needed to be brought up for a specific reason. This man completed the home run cycle in A. This man, that means he hit a, a, a solo home run, a double or a two-run home run, a three-run home run, and a grand slam. I don't know if either of you guys ever remember seeing that. I didn't. I couldn't find if it had ever been done before, but it was an absolutely insane game. Four home runs, 11 RBIs, and looking on the season, 18 home runs in double A, which is nice, but he's got a 31.3% K percentage this season. 249 ISO is good, but I don't know about him as a, a prospect that's worth, you know, in dynasty leagues looking at the power seems legit. But again, you're watching on YouTube, a 238 average, 325 OBP, 4887 slug, zero stolen bases. I mean, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe the appeal for him for a long-term value is not there. Yeah, I'm not really buying long-term fun game for sure. And that, that one game probably propped his, his last 10 day stats up so much and <laughs> rightfully so. I mean, you look at what he's done and you can't argue with the numbers and he did it in one game. So I think that's impressive, but you're right. He just doesn't make the contact that he needs to make to be successful at the major league level, you know, massive power. Again, as you see four home runs in the home run cycle, which 
I've never heard of happening. But you know, four home runs is rare enough in a game. But to do you know solo two run shot, three run shot in the grand slam, pretty impressive. But yeah, once again, I don't know. I just don't really see him ever making any noise at the big league level. But definitely uh, a fun name to talk about with what happened. That's right. And what we do sometimes is some of these names we bring up on the initial part of the rundown. Some of them have that great long-term value, but other times we just have to highlight guys in the minor leagues that are doing big things. And you have a four home run game you deserve to be talked about. So that's again, Chandler Redman for the St. Louis Cardinals. Let's talk about the pitching side of things here. And let's start off with Brandon Foote of the Arizona Diamondbacks and their organization over the last 10 days, 13 innings, four earned runs, 17 strikeouts, a 277 ERA. And on the season, he's looked okay. He's he's been decent. 124.1 innings pitched, but 166 strikeouts with that 420 ERA, and it's held up by his 429 FIP. Chris, the Arizona Diamondbacks have so many hitters that are studs coming up through this system. Obviously, we saw Drew Jones drafted, Jordan Lawler is uh, there, so many great guys. Uh, obviously, Alec Thomas on the big league roster now, and of course Corbin Carroll. But it's nice to see an arm for this organization being talked about. Is he somebody you're excited about long-term? Yeah, I am. I think he's had a lot of inconsistencies throughout his minor league career where he's had the times where he's looked really good, kind of like he has these past couple weeks. And really since his promotion to AAA, he's been pretty stellar. Now, what he brings to the table is a pretty good arsenal of pitches. You know, The fastball and the slider are both really good, in my opinion fastball gets up to 97 he sits in the mid 90 range gets pretty high spin rates on it so i definitely like what i've seen from his fastball he's a bigger frame too he gets good extension it really pounds the zone mixes in that slider the curveball is probably his worst offering i'd say but then he mixes in a solid changeup as well so i really like the mix of pitches here and i do think he's a little bit underrated just because people look at the surface numbers and they see you know not great. I mean, last year in double A, he had a four five nine ERA. Not that great. This year in double A, four five three ERA over 105 innings. But I think that kind of discounts like what he's capable of. And there's big strikeout numbers as we've seen. He's over 30% K rate this year. The walk rates have been really good. As I mentioned, he just pounds the strikes on, throws a ton of strikes, which to me is one of the biggest things. And his swinging strike rate's really high as well, which definitely is something that's a good indication of the strikeout rate. And Overall, I think that Brandon Fats just a little underrated, and with everything that he brings to the table, I wouldn't be surprised if he you know, makes it to the big league soon. But really, I mean, they don't really have anybody else running out in this you know, in the rotation there in Arizona, so he's capable of making some noise. And I think that he's one that could really surprise some people because the good command control here and the good arsenal as well. So. You know, again, there's ups and downs with him, but I think the good really makes him you know, worthy. I think he's a top 100 prospect, personally. That's not valued as such. Since the Diamondbacks are lacking so many good arms in their rotation, Clegg, is he somebody that you think maybe in September the Diamondbacks could give a shot to be called up just to maybe even just as a piece in the bullpen for a couple innings, or do you think he's completely off until next year? Well, I mean, they could, but they don't really have any real incentive to to start a service clock. and. If he was on a contending team, then maybe I could see him coming up and get a shot. But I just don't see them, you know, really pressing him and starting a service clock. Like, let him log AAA innings the rest of the year. He just has 19 above AA. And so I think he probably sticks in AAA the rest of the year, starts next year in AAA, and then gets a shot early next season. All right. The Dimebacks are going to be a fun team to watch next year. That's for sure. A team that's fun to watch now. 
the Los Angeles Dodgers and their top pitching prospect, Bobby Miller, right-handed pitcher for their organization in double A right now. Last 10 days, 13.1 innings pitched, three earned runs, 20 strikeouts, a 203 ERA. On the season in double A, he's got 19 games, 91 innings pitched, 117 strikeouts. Mike, he's somebody that has been floated around potentially coming up. I mean, we've, we've seen injuries to the rotation. We've also maybe seen him since he can throw his fastball and uh, get it close to triple digits. Somebody that maybe the Dodgers could use as a high leverage arm in the bullpen, maybe in September of the playoffs. Is Bobby Miller the real deal for you? Yeah, it's, it sure seems like it. When I look at his profile, I, it says uh, a double plus fastball, as you mentioned, with a plus slider and above average changeup. So that's three really good pitches that should give him the starters arsenal. It, it comes down to the command like it does with many uh, young pitchers. I mean, obviously in this category, you know, it's, it's a small sample size, but he got those 20 strikeouts and 13 innings pitched. Uh, one of the main reasons, I mean, people know who he is and he's ranked high, but that four five, four four five ERA is a full run higher than his FIP. So like Chris was saying with, with that, there's like, there's a difference between his surface stats and, and how good he's actually been. So in that sense, I, I see it as an opportunity to buy in Dynasty for anyone who's not really aware of that sort of stuff or think about it that way. Uh, long term, I do think he's going to be one of those electric arms that everyone's going to want in fantasy because the Dodgers just have done so much with less. And so, you know, I'm going through a season right now where I'm, I'm chasing wins and I just see the value of having good pitchers on good teams. And I think this is going to be one of those guys where I don't know how it may be like a number two starter with high strikeouts. Like I don't, I don't think his numbers show how good he's going to be yet, I guess is what I'm saying. So it's just someone that I'm really high on. It took me a little longer to come around on him, probably longer than most people who don't even follow prospects as much as me, but I'm on board at this point. And I think it's just a matter of how the Dodgers are going to bring him in to the fold. Yeah, I, I think almost it feels like to me, there's no doubt he's part of this roster at some point this season, just the way he's pitched. And the and just again, like how great his fastball is that they could use him later on, especially if you know, in the postseason, they need him for an inning of him throwing gas and with that devastating slider. So Bobby Miller is an exciting player. And you know, any pitching prospect in the Dodgers organization is someone we're definitely going to be looking at for sure. As same as with this club, the Cleveland Guardians, who seem to just churn out great pitcher after great pitcher. And Gavin Williams is somebody that if you're in the prospect community, you definitely know of. But if you're just somebody that kind of is a more of a casual observer, you might hear the name Daniel Espino, but not as much Gavin Williams, but he is really, really good. His last start, six hitless innings in his last start uh, when he pitched. And his last 10 days, nine innings pitched, four hits, two walks and eight strikeouts. And on the season between double A and single A, he's got a 149 ERA, 117 strikeouts, and over just over 90 innings. This is a guy that I've just been really impressed with. You look at his Ks per nine and, and A plus ball, over 13 Ks per nine, still above a K per nine average uh, with nine K 9.93 in double A. Somebody that's had, a, I mean, 45 innings in single A, 45 in double A, but the numbers have been very consistent and actually sometimes even better as he's gone up here, he's somebody that, again, I, Daniel Espino, I know who he is, who he is, but I feel like Gavin Williams has a huge upside chance to be a good number two starter in this league. I don't know how you guys feel about Gavin Williams, but I'm really excited about him. 
and somebody I think that will be making even more headlines next season. There's no question about that, in my opinion. I think he was the best arm in last year's draft class, and you pair him in Cleveland, who we've seen Cleveland just consistently develop pitchers, and, man, it's hard not to like what you see. So Williams is a pretty excellent target. And Dynasty, and you're right, I think that it creates a good buying opportunity in a Dynasty League because he doesn't really get the hype in the org because Daniel Espino's there. And also, there's been a lot of other pop-up pitching prospects, but Williams has been really steady all year. He just gets the job done. He gets a lot of whiffs. The arsenal is highly impressive. You know, we talk about Bobby Miller's fastball, but Gavin Williams' fastballs, you know, every bit as good as it, in my opinion. He gets up over 100, gets a ton of swing and misses, you know, pumps it up in the zone, and that's what you want to see. When you can locate the fastball at that kind of velocity, up in the zone, and then throw the curve in the slider like you do, you know, dropping them down at the bottom of the zone. It's just really impressive to see. His changeup's also a, a solid offering. So good four pitch mix with Williams. He had a bit of control issues, you know, early in his career at ECU, but really kind of honed that in. And I think that he's at least average, if not better, from a control command standpoint. So, you know, big bodied pitcher at 6'6, 240. All the things you like to see repeats the delivery really well. So, He's just, his numbers have just kind of backed up everything that I've kind of thought about him. So I agree. I think Gavin Williams is right there with Espino, with Ricky Tiedemann, and all these other pitching prospects that everybody gets hyped on, but he just doesn't get talked about as much. Mm-hmm. And Clegg touched on it. If if you're in a dynasty league and he's somebody that you think most people don't know how good he is yet, kind of somebody like we talked about before, Kyle Harrison, who has really started to make headlines. And when we started talking about him, you guys have been listening way back to when we started this show. He was still in single A and not quite as talked about yet. This is the same thing with Gavin Williams. He's going to be mentioned in those types of guys like Clegg just mentioned. So you got to get on these guys early before it's too late. Let's talk about some notable promotions since our last show. Guys that have been called up to the big leagues. Vaughn Grissom to Atlanta Braves. I'm going to ask Clegg about that in a second. Brett Beatty to the New York Mets home run in his first career at bat. Shea Langoliers, catcher for the Oakland Athletics. Oswaldo Cabrera, infielder for the Yankees. Kerry Carpenter for the Detroit Tigers. And Xavion Curry for the Cleveland Guardians. Clegg, I'm going to keep this short and sweet. Let's talk about Vaughn Grissom for a minute. You're an Atlanta Braves fan, for those that don't know. Is Vaughn Grissom the real deal? Or are people going to that spent a ton of fab for him going to see him come crashing to earth at some point? Well, the only way I think he comes crashing to earth is he just doesn't have a spot to play when Ozzy Albies comes back. But right now it looks like Albies won't be back till mid-September. And if Grissom keeps hitting, then he's going to stay in the lineup. Yeah, I've seen him a good bit as a prospect. Saw him last year, and then he even started this year in Rome. So I saw him a good bit as Rome. He's in the same league as Greenville, so see them quite often. And he's interesting because he's got such a good baseball body, like just absolutely built. But there's still room for growth, which is kind of crazy where he's still got room where he can add that strength, add that muscle, and really get to more power. I think we saw that this year as the power really started coming around, where you know last season he hit just seven home runs. This year he hit 11 in high A, and then in the short stint in double A, he hit three. We've already seen him hit two in the majors. He had good contact skills, good power, good speed as well. He's got good instincts on the base paths. He's... Kind of interesting in the field. I don't know if he profiles as a shortstop long-term. Obviously, he's been playing second base right now. But I don't know where he sticks. It's kind of interesting because he can play all those spots. And 
I'm kind of wondering if he plays well enough if the Braves just let Dansby walk and he's kind of the shortstop moving forward. But no, I don't really see a huge regression. I, it depends on the expectations, I guess, that you have. Like, I think he's going to provide good power, good speed, not really be elite at anything, but just a pretty well-rounded player in Vaughn Grissom. Clay, you can correct me if I'm wrong. This is just as an observer. What I've seen like the Braves have done is if they want to pay a guy, they do it early. And if they don't pay him until he basically a, a contract year, they're okay with letting him go. Is that kind of how kinda, the Braves seem to operate? I mean, it's kind of how it seems. You see it with Freddie Freeman last year. And obviously I think both sides wanted to be back, but just didn't really work out. And with the shortstop class, the way it is, this free agency, I think they're going to let Dansby test the waters. And this is kind of the test. Von Grissom, you know, he's performing. So I wouldn't be surprised if Dansby walked, honestly. I'm with you. Like, I think he's, I think he's with another team next year. And Von Grissom is going to be someone very interesting to talk about when we do our fantasy drafts next season for those that are not in dynasty leagues. Let's talk about our prospect watch. So these are guys might be at lower levels or guys you might not have heard of as the big name guys that we've got our eye on and not necessarily what they've done this past week, but just someone you should keep in mind for those deep dynasty leagues, kicking things off with Oscar Colas. He's an outfielder for the Chicago White Sox. Big beefy dude, as you can see in the picture, 318, 382, 531 slash 17 home runs on the season, a 204 ISO. 139 WRC uh, plus Clegg is he somebody let's talk about him for a second because this is the first time he's ever been brought up on this show what should we know about Oscar Collis well it's funny because he was called the Cuban Otani before he came over where he was a pitcher and obviously an outfielder and he was pretty good at both and so everybody got all hyped and called him the Cuban Otani and then you know he signed he quits pitching and everybody just stopped talking about him it was kind of baffling to me and obviously this being his first season stateside in high a i saw him they were in town for a week and i saw him for a couple games and you're right he is big and bulky as you can see if you're watching live in this picture a lot of strength a lot of bat speed and i'm just baffled that he doesn't get talked about more i don't really understand why because the bat's really good it seems like people were just waiting for him to fall off but you know he dominated high a little older for high a so you can kind of give him a pass there because you know whatever he's a little older he signed a little older and it seems plausible he's on the fast track to the majors and everybody kind of thought that when he signed then he bumps to double a and he's proceeded to hit 10 home runs and 106 plate appearances while having a 333 average and a 415 obp 677 slug just ridiculous stuff that he's doing and the bat to ball skills are really good you know the strikeout rate has been a little higher at double a I'm not really concerned about it because he controls his own well. He puts the ball in play quite often, and he makes good contact. You know, he's average to above average contact rate, which you can live with. But he hits the ball so hard that when he is making contact, like, it's really going. I mean, the raw power's easily double plus, in my opinion. Obviously, you're seeing him get to that plus game power, if not better. Big heavy set dude with a good swing. He's his, my biggest concern is that he's just doesn't move well enough in the field. He's a corner outfielder. He could move to first base, which would be interesting. But I think they're going to give him some run in the corner spot and see. I mean, his arm's good enough. So we'll kind of see how that pans out. But, yeah, he's just been so good this year, and he really impressed me when I saw him live. And, again, I just don't know why he hasn't been more hyped. Like, I've recently bumped him into my top 50 prospects just because i think that the bat's that good where i'm not really worried about where he plays what position long term because if it's first base or if it's outfield i think the numbers are going to be good enough to 
you know, not matter where he plays. I think the bat plays wherever he ends up. So I'm a big fan of Cole Lawson. Really, he's just continued to get better this season, and I'm impressed. Now, Clay, when you look at hitters in the minor leagues, I'm talking to a lot of people on this show. I feel like the, the K to walk rate is something that's been talked about a lot. Are you looking at hard hit percentages and barrels for some of these guys too as well, just seeing if they can hit the ball hard? Because I know that's something that's talked about a lot at the major league level, or is that nothing? Is that something that you're not as concerned about looking at when you look at these guys? Well, it matters, but there's no publicly available data. So you have to kind of have to scrape and find as you can. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a little tougher, but you know, as I find access to it, which is sometimes difficult, um, it definitely helps. And with Colos, like when I watch Colos hit the ball, like I don't need to see the EVs. They're just really good. <laughs> you just see how hard the bat comes off or the ball comes off the bat with the swing speed. But yeah, I mean, obviously, like we love to see good hard hit rates and EVs from these prospects, but it's just not always readily available. So where you can get them, I think it does matter. But, you know, contact, you know, you can find contact rates, you know, for more than you can like EVs and stuff. So, you know, Kata Walk does give a good idea. And, you know, while you've seen him kind of balloon a little bit on the strikeout side, that's still, you know, manageable. If he's around 25%, I can live with that all day from a power hitter like him that, you know, puts the ball in play pretty consistently. All right. And again, that is Mr. For, uh, for those watching on YouTube, Oscar Colas, outfielder for the Chicago White Sox. Mike, let's go to your player, Jonathan Classe, Seattle Mariners outfielder. You are plugged into the Mariners as that is your squad. Let's talk about him in low A. He's been doing great things this year. Nine home runs, 47 steals, a 118 WRC plus. Strikeouts are a little high at 27.2%, but not outrageous. What about him has him catching your eye? Well, again, just like Jose Rodriguez, this is a, a kid that I've liked for a couple of years now, and I'm starting to see the signs of what I was looking for. But he's got a ridiculous speed. Like uh, Fangraphs has him listed as 80 grade speed. So, uh, but he's also listed at five foot eight, 150 pounds, which has been the case the, the entire time he's been with the Mariners. So I've seen pictures of him. He's gotten a lot bigger. He's probably, I guess, 5'10", 175, 180 pounds, muscular. He's kept his speed. He's starting to get, get into that power a little bit. Uh, you know, the nine home runs doesn't jump out at you, but a 190 ISO from a relatively small, speedy, you know, leadoff type guy. I'm just really intrigued by him. I don't think we've, I don't think we've seen the best of what he's capable of with his power. But I think the speed is going to carry as he moves up the levels. I think he's going to be a major stolen base threat in the major leagues down the road. It's just it's just getting there. He's he's about a year older than the typical top prospect. I'd like to see at low A. You know, most guys would be 19. He's 20. So I don't think he's going to turn out to be a huge bat. And there is risk that he ends up striking out too much as he moves up the levels. But if he's able to keep this strikeout rate under 30%, you know, maybe even get it down below 25%, and all these other intangibles stick together. I just think you're looking at a very popular, flashy, exciting prospect. All right. Again, that is Jonathan uh, Class A. Again, Seattle Mariners have so many great outfielder prospects. Just keep giving them through the pipeline. And this is another great one there. Let's talk about Orlovis Martinez, who is one of the top prospects in the Toronto Blue Jays organization in double A this year. 27 home runs, a 256 ISO. Speed is not necessarily great, but he has a lot of power. 
somebody on the season, a 30% strikeout rate, which does need to get better as well as 6.3% walk rate. But again, you take a look at that 211 average. We're buying into the power here. He's going to obviously have to fine tune some things as he, you know, makes his way through the Toronto Blue Jays system. But a quick right-handed swing. He's got a lot of strength. Six foot one. Somebody that uh, I believe, you know, probably from what I've read, it's going to probably be a third baseman because just because he's not necessarily as athletic as he probably will need to be to be a major league shortstop. But uh, just again, you're buying into the power. And you saw it this past week, somebody that had a two home run game, two four RBI performances. He had 42 extra base hits in 95 games, which were the fifth most in the Eastern League, um, and led all Toronto players in their system. So there's a lot to like with his hit tool. So I think he's somebody to keep an eye on, especially as he uh, the Toronto Blue Jays have a lot of guys that can hit. He could be the next one here. I'd also like to throw in, too, uh, he's 20 years old in AA, if you might have said, but I think that can change the perspective of how we look at players. You know, th this is a very aggressive assignment for him. If he was in high A right now, I think we'd have a different perspective of him. So I view him on, in a similar range as a Marco Luciano type of player. Mm. So it's just like if you threw Marco Luciano up in double A right now, I think you'd see similar type results. So just something to keep in mind for Dynasty. I see this as a buy low opportunity because those that slash line doesn't look great. But 27 home runs in double-A as a 20-year-old is significant. That will definitely play. Let's go to our last segment of the night. Who's next? Who is next for the call? We've got two guys for you this week as we're running out of prospects towards the end of the season here. Clay, let's go to you first. Let's talk about this. We had the same guy. I think great minds think alike here. And, and Josh Young, third baseman for the Texas Rangers. He was going to potentially start the year with the Major League Club, and then the injury happened that's kept him out pretty much all season. But in 62 plate appearances in AAA so far, he's got eight home runs, a 503 ISO, 205 WRC+. Plus. He doesn't seem like he's long for AAA uh, before he's going to be called up very soon. Yeah, and I will say I was kind of hoping that I, I had an you know, inside source that, I, that Beatty was going to get the call. I just thought it was going to be on Friday at the end of the Braves series. So I was really hoping that I could like talk about that here, but obviously – he got caught up a little sooner. <laughs> so Josh Young was the next guy. And I think that Young is obviously no one's blocking him. Like the Rangers aren't good. They don't really have anybody blocking him at third base. He's one that probably would have been up around opening day if it wasn't for mm -hmm. an injury. And he had that shoulder injury that, you know, really changed the dynamic of things. And he missed most of the season. But he doesn't look like somebody that's returning from a shoulder injury. I mean, he started at the complex, just got his feet wet, and he's just been tearing the ball up in AAA. So my opinion of Josh Young has not changed a bit since preseason, where I had him as a you know, top borderline top 10 prospect. Obviously, the injury did kind of affect that a bit, so I moved him down a hair. But now that he's healthy and he's still showing those skills that he had before, I'm impressed, and I think that he's back to that level that he was. You know, he's not putting the ball on the ground very often. He has slowly gotten better at that throughout his career. He just really kind of tweaked his swing to launch you know, the ball a little bit better, consistent line drives, good fly balls, and you know, not pop-ups either, just good fly balls that, that leave the yard. So the power's really coming around, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him up you know, within the next week or so. I, I don't know what else he has left to prove. He's proving that he's healthy at AAA, and he's proving that he's ready. And so I'm just really excited to see what Josh Young can do, even though the Rangers are just kind of meh, and they're kind of like just really just scrapping everything they're, they had going on in their organization. If 
firing their manager, GM, like literally everybody's just, they're cleaning house on, but you know, I'm excited. Hopefully young does get the call. I think he's more than worthy of it. And to me, like, and you have to think like, does he, because they don't really need him. Like, how's he going to really benefit the team? But I just feel like with his age, like he's more than ready. He's you know 24 and a half. So he'll be 25 next opening day. Just call him up and see what he can do at this point. Josh Young is definitely ready, and I would not be shocked by next episode if he is with the Texas Rangers. So if he's a free agent in your league and you need a corner infielder, he's somebody to definitely take a look at in your redraft leagues. Last time we're talking about tonight, Cade Cavalli, who has had a 382 ERA in AAA this year. And I think some people, including myself, you see his name and you've just seen just the lack of success he's had in the limited amount of time that he's had uh, you know, up in the kind of the higher levels of the big, or I think he's played some in the big leagues, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and he didn't do as, it didn't fare too well there. But a 382 ERA, and if you look over his last 10 appearances, he's allowed two or runs or less in his last six outings. So he's somebody that seems like he's coming on at the right time here, and the Nationals really need the pitching, Mike. Yeah, absolutely. You said a lot of it there. Uh, the Nationals are not really in contention. This is their top pitching prospect. I feel like people are being a little hard on him. He led the minor leagues in strikeouts last year as a 22-year-old in double A. So the strikeout rates come down a little bit. I'd, I'd like to see that jump back up. But I, I think he's somewhere in between what we saw last year and this year, which is a really good pitcher. He's got a big frame. He's a, like a, almost like an Alex Manoa type of guy, maybe a little smaller, but just a big power arm. I think he's going to be a starter long term. Uh, it's just about getting back to the, getting to more strikeouts. And like you said, we're seeing those results. Uh, he, he got off to a slow start. He was considered a top 10, maybe even top five pitching prospect entering this year who's right on the cusp. And I think his slow start just kept him from getting called up as quickly. But the Nationals don't really have anything to lose by getting him a little experience down the stretch here. And uh, I definitely think he's part of the rotation next season. All right, that's Cade Cavalli to wrap the show up here. We're going to wrap up with Clegg as we want to thank you so much for hopping on the call up with us. Please plug where the people can find you, where they can find all your work, and then please, again, tell us where we can find your Patreon. Yeah, of course. Well, make sure you're following these two great gentlemen as well. Yeah, their Twitter handles are right here on the screen if you're watching, so I definitely appreciate them um, and the work they do and inviting me on. But, again, you can find me on Twitter at Roto Clegg try to post a variety of stuff from prospects dynasty redraft and i'll do a little bit of everything but um at patreons at patreon.com slash fantrax toolshed if you want to listen to more we have the, the fantrax toolshed podcast with eric cross we do that twice a week cover dynasty cover prospects and we'll sprinkle in a little bit of redraft in there as well but you know dynasty and prospects are the real passion there so you can find that at fantrax toolshed so again appreciate y'all and having me on it was a good time with you guys Always a great time with Clegg, and we appreciate, you, again, you coming on the show. And as, again, as the people know, for those that are not plugged into Prospect World, he's one of the best follows for that, so make sure you follow him if you're not already. And thank you guys, the viewers or the listeners, for watching another episode. We appreciate you guys. If you're enjoying the content, please make sure you like on YouTube. Leave a comment below for the algorithm. And if you're listening to the podcast, you being subbed to the channel in a five-star review always help us grow and reach more listeners. So thank you so much for all that you guys are doing to help support us. And of course, you guys know we'll be back next week for the call-up week 20. So until then, for Chris, for Mike, 
I'm Dave. We'll catch you all in the next one.